Welcome back. And uh, again, we are delighted to have with us today Dennis Allen. He's a former combat-rated U.S. Air Force F-15 fighter pilot. Uh, he's a mission commander, six-time turnaround CEO, and the author of a new book called The Disciple Dilemma. And there's a picture of the cover on the book. You may want to check that out. That's also the website, thedisciplededilemma.com. And uh, Dennis, good to see you. How are you, friend? Good morning, Perry. Good to be with you. I'm well. How about you? Good. Have you seen Top Gun yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So a group of friends of mine actually uh, from our squadron hauled us out Sunday evening to go watch the movie. Are you okay? <laughs> Well, you know, the first movie actually had a squadron mate of mine, an Air Force squadron mate, who was the actual flying bad guy. Boa Mike Strait flew in that movie. So we've got kind of a love for it, even though they're Navy guys. <laughs> Good. Thanks for your service, by the way. Thank you. Thank okay. You. Uh, what is the uh, disciple dilemma? Well, the tagline goes like this, Perry. Um, discipleship has been hacked. And by saying it's been hacked, what we mean is that the ethos that Christ gave us in the New Testament has been evolved, or you might want to use the term upgraded, and they're not good upgrades. And what's happened over time is we have started generating a departure from Christ's way. And um, eerily, it's the same kind of problem that we see in the business world with employees. And that's how my interest as a CEO and as a church member and leader became involved in this concept of the dilemma, people as a dilemma. And therefore, we have a dilemma with discipleship, and this hack um, has a lot of ominous symptoms, and that's what we want to talk about. Well, let's let's walk through that, because uh, it's interesting you tie it also into the corporate world. Uh, you're a CEO turnaround specialist. Uh, I want to get into that, but uh, maybe we lost the understanding of what it is to be a disciple, or are we making them in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're replicating a lot of people, but we'd have to argue, I think, looking at the symptoms, which we could talk about, uh, that we're really generating a lot of very fragile, brittle disciples. And uh, just to take one research statistic out of some very credible study houses, we've got over five out of 10 millennials and Gen Zs who grew up in the church who are walking off saying, I'm done and I'm not coming back. Why? Well, a couple of reasons behind it, but let me summarize it just for the soundbite. Number one, what we've done is we've substituted the, the New Testament's view, the model that Christ gave us um, as believers into sort of tribal virtue signaling, um, brand identity, business managed organizations that really don't have the agape love of Christ in them. What they really have is come be part of our tribe and Sometimes that's politically difficult. Sometimes it's intellectually difficult. Sometimes it has a lot of strange experiential difficulties, but it's not discipleship. Boy, this comes off of something I spoke about earlier, but let me ask you this. Do you think the church then has been hijacked? I think that we have been embedded in this problem for over 1,800 years, Perry, and we think what is normal is good, and they're neither neither non-biblical issues, they're historical issues, and they are not good, and they are not what Christ gave us. And I think we're blind, maybe not maliciously in all cases, but we are blind. And if you want to think about the nuns and the duns walking off, 
what we also call in the book the mutes, where 95% of the Christian faith today, church-attending Protestants today, say, I'm either not qualified, not willing, or it's not my job to talk about Christ. Um, when you start tying factors like that together, what you find is a church that's beginning to um, atrophy as disciples. Wow. I can tell already we need about three hours or you need to turn this into a, a seminar. But let me ask you, how, how, how did discipleship become crippled? What, what do you think were the contributing factors? Well, in the book, we talk about the iceberg. Tip of the iceberg is the symptoms. It's the stuff above the waterline that you can see. And then we also talk in the book about what's below the waterline. And that's those causes you're talking about. We, we spend six chapters talking about six traditions, not biblical traditions, but traditions that are not good, not right. Let me toss one out for you. And this is a predominant one, and it'll, it'll strike home for a lot of people. Um, optional lordship, going back to the time of Constantine and the Roman persecutions. Optional lordship. Jesus can save me, but I don't have to check in as a bond servant of Christ to Jesus. That's optional. Mm -hmm. uh, let me back that up a little bit. I just had George Barnard on. He's on quite often, and he just finished a new um, survey research. You probably you may have seen it. He's been very locked into trying to establish what a real biblical worldview is all about. But he interviewed the top tier of pastors. He wanted the senior pastor, he wanted the associate pastor, and he definitely wanted to talk to the youth pastor. When he got done with this, and I don't know how many hundreds of people he interviewed, uh, he found out this. He said, um, most of the senior pastors and associate pastors, well under 50%, had a biblical worldview, and only 37% of the youth pastors had a biblical worldview. So it seems like we are mixing our salvation with the philosophy of the world and calling it Christianity. Absolutely. And we relied on a lot of Barna's work in our research, along with Pew and Institute for Biblical Research and even the Humanitarian Institute of the UK, which is telling us the same story. It is this, that the people who are supposed to be the leadership of the church often lack a biblical worldview. And it doesn't matter whether it is a pastor or a small group leader. A lot of people just don't carry the freight of the biblical ethos Christ gave us. Oh, I'm trying to figure out, and you, you, you say here, Dennis, that this has been going on for centuries, but I'm trying to figure out where did we slip? Are we not training people? Are we too theological or not theological? What are, where is the hole here? Yeah, you're, you're a CEO, so this really resonates with you and I because what we're thinking about is where, where's the crux of the problem, and the crux of the problem has got to be somewhere nearby. I'm going to argue in the book, and I'm asking people just to test drive it. You don't have to buy the car, but try it out, right? And that's this. When Constantine's crew came through, imagine that you were a church leader just before Constantine got there, and you have a church of five, six, eight people and the next week after Constantine legitimizes Christianity, there's 700 people out there wanting to check in because the club's pretty happy with uh, being favorable with Constantine. And um, suddenly you, Pastor Perry, have to deal with 700 people. At that point, you're going to start shoving them into the pews because you can't disciple them. That was just a beginning for how we see this coming apart. And over time, that optional lordship plus five other causes that we could talk about if you're really looking for something to chat about— 
have run through our DNA in the Christian church and they have devolved us in a very bad way. Okay. Well, you, you, gosh, you're, you're unpacking something really heavy here. Let me, let me ask you this before I take a break. So let's go back to something really simple. How would you today describe discipleship? Um, I describe it, if you mean in terms of the symptoms today versus what a disciple ought to look like, I'm taking it as a current context. Eight out of 10 people who call themselves Christians have no spiritual life other than attending a sermon 1.7 times a month. 92% of Christians say, it's not my job to talk about my faith. Um, five and a half out of 10 millennials and Gen Zs are walking off on their faith. And there are over 80% of Christians who just simply don't want to be caught being known as a believer on weekdays. So that's the disciple in the contemporary culture to a large degree statistically. How about that? Wow. Um, you know, since COVID, um, we here at the Dove Radio and Television Network uh, have had enormous response to our programming across the board. And when we unpack it, the number one topic that people are tuning in for deals with the subject of apologetics. Bottom line is, Christians don't know what they believe. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they, they don't know what they supposedly believe, uh, and, they, and they don't know why they believe it, and they certainly can't defend it. And yet, these are the ones that are now put into a position to somehow share it? <laughs> yeah, I think there's been a long history. And, and by the way, I'm a huge fan of what apologia, having a good reason for the hope within us, means. And I, I've spent a lot of time, a lot of my head time, like I'm sure all of you have, learning about the apologetic of Christianity. But apologetics is not the silver bullet. The reality of it, this is our argument, is the mission of the church is to make disciples who are bondservants surrendered to Christ. And in that, yes, some apologetics, in that some intellectual, some experiential, certainly the spirit-filled journeys, but there is no single little bitty answer. Even going to church and going on mission trips, that's not the answer. It's becoming a fully surrendered bondservant, dying to self, taking up the cross for Christ. Wonderful. Let me take a quick break. Um, check out the book. It's called The Disciple Dilemma. Uh, you can go to thediscipledilemma.com is a website by Dennis Allen. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. And boy, what an honor to have with us today. Dennis Allen, former uh, combat-rated uh, U.S. Air Force uh, F-15 fighter pilot, uh, mission commander, He's a six-time turnaround CEO specialist, and he's authored a book called The Disciple Dilemma. And you can go to discipledilemma.com is the website. And for those of you watching on the Dove Television Network, there's a picture of the cover of the book, thedisciplesdilemma.com. Hmm. Man, we're trying to cram a three-day seminar in the 20 minutes. <laughs> this ain't working. <laughs> I'm going to get you back. What, what, Dennis, in your life, Flip this switch in you. Um, college years, there was a guy named Dr. Calvin Miller, pastor, poet, and a physicist. He wrote Singer Song and Finale. Uh, 
who came alongside me and he took a scruffy klutz Ichabod Crane kid and said, you're coming with me and we're going to learn about the gospel, talking to people about Christ and what it means to be a believer who's not going to be a pastor. And uh, that was the launch point, right? That was the, okay, that was the catapult shot. I'm borrowing that phrase from your earlier Top Gun piece, right? So um, the other piece of this was as a CEO, I'm struggling with why are my employees churning, turning, walking out the door? They don't know what they do. They don't know why they're there. They don't know who they are. And I started looking around and I'm going, wow, in my leadership roles in churches, I'm seeing the same thing. People walking out the door, people on mute, people don't have any idea what they're doing. What's, what is this? And I found something really interesting, Perry. The business community a long time ago, centuries back, started watching the church on how to handle people. What they didn't know was they'd already evolved discipleship out of the way and people really were secondary. Brand was the big thing. Then the church had the brainy idea of trying to follow the business world because surely they know how to handle people. And we ended up with this circular logic loop and it's just wrecking the way we handle people, whether they're employees or disciples. That's what got me started on this journey. You know, I just want to say, amen. <laughs> I... Uh, I've been frustrated with a, a lot of the things you, you're dealing with here. You talk about concierge Christianity. What's that? So concierge Christianity is the result of us making a program service customer offering to believers. Come in, bring your latte, check the kids into Sunday school, sit back, catch the sermon, like I said earlier, 1.7 times per month. You're good as a disciple. Head back to the house for whatever it was you were going to do. That box is checked that's concierge christianity what's mass production discipleship mass production discipleship now i want to be sure i get this one right and people understand what i'm saying it is incredibly important that we go to church it's incredibly important that we hang out in small groups it's incredibly important we do mission trips it's incredibly important that we pray and study the bible but the true core of new testament discipleship is one-on-one -on -one relationships. You have a wingman. You even have a flight lead, a mentor, somebody who's with you on your life journey. That's one-on-one -on -one discipleship. You cannot throw people in a room, toss them a sermon, catch them in a, even a 10-person small group and say, you've been discipled. That's important, but that's not the core of discipleship. So um, you're talking about one-on-one -on -one mentoring here. Right? Absolutely right. Okay. What happens if we don't break this cycle? There's a book called The Great Evangelical Recession, which uh, is just a fascinating walk through how the church is slowly going to decapitalize because people are walking out the door. We've overextended ourselves. We don't have the spiritual clout and discipline to continue giving. We are generating, as I said before, we're Xeroxing, we're reproducing fragile, brittle disciples at an incredibly slowing rate. And remember what I said earlier, over five out of 10 are walking out the door. So we're depleting our headcount, replicating at a slower rate, and we have a fouled up operating system that we're programming our disciples with. So your systems are locking up as disciples. It's going to become a tough ride for discipleship if we don't do something different. If the mentoring disciple isn't a true disciple themselves, then what have we done or what do we got? Yeah, you're replicating off of a bad copy, aren't you? And 
I'm not trying to paint the gloom and doom in the first six chapters and leave you there in despair. The second half of the book, the remaining seven chapters, is the walk away from the problem. And so this book really actually, Perry, isn't about discipleship. It's about leadership. And it says, okay, leaders, you have to check in. You have to recenter on mission. What is the true mission of the church? You have to center on culture, the glue that holds that mission steady on the center line. And you have to start operating as a leader following the version 1.0 discipleship Jesus gave us if you want to bring these people back around. And just as one other point I want to make, we may have to say a lot of people aren't going to come with us on this journey. And that's okay. Their relationship with Christ is their relationship with Christ. But those that will come, there is your core. And that's the beginning of the journey back to Christ's discipleship. Um. In your in your role as a CEO and a turnaround expert, um, what would you say to a CEO that's got an unraveling staff, and how does he self check or she self check themselves before they try to correct what's going on below them? The number one problem, the repeating script I see in broken and struggling companies is they no longer know who they are. The executives have locked themselves up in ivory towers. Think about the SBC reports we've been reading lately. Um, And we have divorced ourselves from the true tip of the spear, the people out there on the line, the people out there in the field doing what they do. And I have to sit down with most of the CEOs that I am replacing or the CEOs that I'm trying to coach back up and say, you've got to get on mission and you've got to change your culture. Wow, that's a big one. You know that. If we're going to recover the people out on the line and help them know the reason why they're there, what's their purpose, their calling, their destiny. Well, you also just described Washington, D.C. <laughs> Didn't we, though? <laughs> well, they don't call it the logic-free zone for nothing. <laughs> Okay. Um, well, this this is so very very interesting because um, I'm wondering um, we're seeing meltdown of of uh, organizations, Christian organizations. You mentioned uh, the SBC. Uh, there's been about ten or fifteen fairly large Christian organizations uh, in meltdown right now. And um, you think God's just pulling the cover back? What, what do you think's going on here? Well, I think the Lord has repeatedly said over and over from uh, this book we call Genesis all the way to the maps in the back of the book, if you keep going this way, things aren't going to go good. You don't pour water in the gas tank and expect things to go well. And I think we are warned. We've been shown what we should be about, what our ought is to be. And I think we still keep trying to practice insanity and hope it all works out. (laughs) Insanity. All right. So what do you want people to take away from your book, uh, Dennis? My wish is that of the 300,000 Protestant churches in America, 1% of them, 3,000 churches, leaders, would take a look at this and say, is this guy a whack job or is there something legit going on here? And if you think there is something, read the second half of the book because we need to get back to a rethink and a reform on discipleship. And it's going to take leaders doing that. You aren't going to solve this with a sermon series and a program and a little small group. This is a long-term culture fix for Western Christianity. We uh, hear several times, but in the last several years, I'll try to share this quickly, uh, we've done days where we've taken prayer requests 
you know, through the network and all that. Hundreds of calls come in. And one of the questions that we ask is, um, have you called your church? <laughs> and the answer is yes. Okay, how did that go? Well, um, either I can't get through to the pastor, to the one that I listen to every Sunday, or I don't want that person to know what I'm really going through. And I'm going, so then what does the church become? Yeah, we've replaced discipleship with showmanship, haven't we? Well, I want to say this carefully because I don't want, at the end of the day, the church is the answer. But the point being is we're, we're missing something. People are falling through the cracks. Um, and it's, it's serious business. And we're living in a time where people really are looking for authenticity. Yeah. Yes, we are. We are. Identity has become a deity to many people, but the ability to be authentically transparent with people has been a lost art, and it continues to be that way. Uh, would be one thought. We we in the book talk about one other uh, attribute or cause. Uh, we stole it from the uh, COVID pandemic. We call it instead of social distancing, clerical distancing, and it's it's a two-edged sword. On the one hand, unless you're a pro, you have no ability to do certain things, which the New Testament didn't agree with baptizing people, praying over people, being alongside people. And on the other side, that concierge Christianity crops up in clerical distancing. I'm not qualified. I'm supposed to sit in a pew. The, the answer is church. The answer is fellowship. The answer is discipleship. Mm -hmm. Well, folks, I, uh, let me encourage you. Uh, first of all, can we get you back? You're fascinating. My wife's been trying to get me back for a long time, but if you want to talk, <laughs> I'm happy to <laughs> Well, we'll bring you in for a soft landing. Anyway, uh, DiscipleDilemma.com is the website. And also, it's the title of the book called Disciple Dilemma. Uh, and you go to DiscipleDilemma.com. Where else can they get the book, Dennis? So we've got on the website right now a free ebook offering if people want to grab that. But all the usual places like Barnes & Noble, right, and Books A Million, and all the places you'd look, you're going to find it out there. The okay. publisher's done a good job on it. Great. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your work. Thanks for your service. Let's get you back, okay? Great to you guys. Thanks for what you do. God bless.